Hey, good afternoon. Gabe DeArmond here, PowerMizzou.com. We're going to bring Mitchell Forty in in just a minute to talk Mizzou sports. I don't really know what we're going to talk about at all. Nothing going on these days. But before we get to it, I uh, want to let you guys know this is the 573 Report, brought to you by 573 Tees, which is just waiting around trying to figure out which clever T-shirt it might make in the next few days and weeks. Uh, Missouri waiting on a basketball coach. If you want the stuff that is already produced by 573Ts, all of which is incredibly high quality and uh, sometimes very entertaining as well, go to 573tees.com or you can go to their physical location in Alley A between 9th and 10th Streets in downtown Columbia. Check them out. They have been partners of ours for at least a couple years now and amazingly, I think, only one Mizzou basketball coaching search. But if they hang around long enough, they will get another one because uh, this is something Missouri does fairly often. But now we bring Mitchell Forty in, and before we get to the basketball coaching search, this is obviously the episode where we break down the WNIT matchup against Drake. So, uh, you know, anything you have to say about that, Mitch, we're, we're good beforehand. I'll, I'll respectfully decline. The, the W or M NIT are not something I, uh, I spend my March time watching, even in non-coaching search times. Right. Any any letter or any tournament that includes the letters NIT, um, you're better off finding True TV. Uh, which, by the way, I, I discovered last night with my streaming service, I get neither TNT nor TBS. So my laptop is going to be getting a workout on March Madness on demand. Yeah, that's 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 not good for this time of year. Yeah, but uh, however, I did find out that the Thursday night game on CBS, which I definitely can watch, is San Francisco versus Murray State. And I mean, that one might hold a little bit of interest. That's right. That's right. There's a couple of guys on the sidelines of that game who might be uh, persons of interest in the Mizzou search. I actually had my candidate profile this morning on Mac McMahon. And spoiler, tomorrow's going to be Todd Golden, the coaches of Murray State and San Francisco. So you can learn all about them and then watch them coach and then jump to sweeping conclusions about who's an idiot and who should be hired at Mizzou. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Linder, by uh, virtue of his loss to Indiana last night, has been eliminated from the Mizzou coaching search. We, however, have added Mike Woodson. Is that is that the Indiana coach? Mike? Uh, I don't I don't think something? this bracket is actually being played to determine the winner of Mizzou's coach, although it'd be good for Mizzou if it did, because if they hired like Mark View or, you know, John Calipari or someone like that. I mean, that'd be excellent. I actually think so. I suggested earlier this week when we did the show with Mookie Cooper that Mizzou do a draft for the spring game. Eli Drinkwitz has done that. So if we can suggest here that the NCAA tournament be played to determine, like, I, I think you should have a lottery take all the open jobs. I guess Louisville's not open anymore, but take like Missouri, Maryland, Florida, South Carolina, Xavier. I don't know. There's probably some other ones. And just say, okay, we're going to do a lottery. You get first pick, second pick, all that. The NCAA champion goes to the first pick. The coach has to leave, goes goes uh, there, and then, you know, so on down the line, the runner-up goes to number two. I feel like it's it's not quite like European soccer relegation, but it would be all right. Yeah, I mean, it'd be exciting. It'd be it'd be a bummer for you know the teams that are like really good because yeah, then they go to not being good. But that's maybe that's your answer for parity. Everyone wants to talk about parity in college football. We could do the same thing there. I uh, I think we we fixed it. We fixed college sports. I mean, do we have? Do we really think that like 
Duke or Arizona is not going to be able to get a decent coach if they need to. That's probably true. Coach Maybe. K could he could come back if he, although actually Duke could be in the group needing a coach. I mean they they aren't, but you know if this was the format, they probably wouldn't have named their coach. And and, and I mean college football, like Nick Saban would have coached at like nine different places. He would be the best mm-hmm. coach in school history at half of America. So yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like we've addressed the important issues. And uh, do want to ask you guys first of all to hit the like button on the show, subscribe to the channel, do all the things that basically just Google like what do I do to help a YouTube show and do that because that's probably going to give you uh, more tips than I can give you. We've been doing this for two years, but I don't know how the hell YouTube ad- algorithm algorithms work. Uh, do want to invite you to put your questions and comments in the queue and we will get to those and and so we're going to start with this one we'll save a lot of the questions for later but bradley asked a pertinent question over under 1.5 weeks until a new coach is announced so i mean half a week we'll say is you know we'll say that's 10 days from now today is what wednesday so 10 days from now would be a week from saturday that's kind of right in the I don't really, I I mean, I feel very confident it's going to get past this weekend. I'm not sure if it gets past next weekend. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good over-under. I I guess I'll take the under um, because I I don't know. I'd be kind of surprised if Mizzou's waiting on anyone who's playing in the second weekend. And I think with the ability to talk to everyone after this weekend, they'll get it done sometime next week. But I mean, I I would not by any means be shocked if it if it drips into the week following. Yeah, I, I feel like the Conzo search was about 10 days. I, I feel like that's pretty standard. Um, that one was helped by the fact that obviously Missouri knew it was making a change early and also by the fact that Conzo's former team lost its first NIT game. So, you know, if you're looking at like Dennis Gates, I mean, that could theoretically get done today. But I, I think we're confident in saying there's no way anything gets done before Monday. Because one, at least one guy on Missouri's list is going to be playing on Saturday night. I mean, at this point, the, the guys are, that we're confident are on the list are Kim English, uh, Jerome Tang from uh, the, the Baylor assistant, and they're obviously going to be playing either Saturday or Sunday. Um, Matt McMahon and Todd Golden, who play each other Thursday, so one of them has to win. And then Dennis Gates, who finished his season last night. I, I mean, those are the guys. That is not a comprehensive list. By no means has Desiree Reed Francois, much to the chagrin of both of us, shared her list with us. But those are five guys that we feel pretty confident based on what we've heard at least are under some level of consideration so bare minimum two of them are playing this weekend which henceforth as they say no decision before monday at the earliest yeah yeah no i I think it'll definitely go into next week the question is whether it will get done next week here's my question on tang I, i don't know if you know the answer to this it's like does the same do the same rules apply where like you know, head coaches, their team's still playing in the tournament. They're not really going to entertain job offers. Assistant coaches, like, could he, like, you know, do an interview, agree to a deal, say, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna stick with my team for, you know, the rest of the way, but, like, after that I'm going to be Mizzou's coach. Is, that, is it different with an assistant? I, 
I feel like theoretically he could. I don't really yeah. know. I, mean, I know there's not like a rule. I'm just saying like, do you remember what coaches? I, there's there's so few. There's not a ton of assistants who like to look at. And, and honestly, I I did not follow the Tommy Lloyd to Arizona thing close enough last year to remember when that happened. Yeah, Sean Miller wasn't fired until I think April of last year. Right. So okay. This, yeah, that's right. That's the season right. was yeah, over, that's... so there was no opening. And yeah, there are just so few assistants that become you know, high major head coaches that mm. I, I don't really, th- I, I mean, I guess he could, but again, I still think it's minimum next week because like, I don't know when they play. I don't know if they play Thursday or Friday, but bottom line, like he's not doing a second interview with Missouri, you know, sometime between now and when Baylor plays. And again, yes, yes. I, I feel like minimum they are going to, and look, they may already have talked to both Todd Golden and Matt McMahon. I don't know. I feel like Zoom's made this easier, right? Like most coaches could probably find like 45 minutes to hop on a Zoom call at some point, even if your team is playing in the NCAA. Like you finish up all your work at 11 o'clock and tell Desiree Reed Francois, hey, I can do one at 11.15. She'll stay awake. I mean, this is mm-hmm. what she's doing. Um you know, but the point is either McMahon or Golden, I mean, they're going to wait to talk to those guys. So regardless of Jerome Tang or anybody else's situation, this is not done till early next week, I don't think at all. Yeah, agreed. Which also kind of brings up, like, we know the list we've put out there of guys that we know have some level of interest. Do we think that's it? I mean, as far as, like, every coaching search starts out with, Hey, they're gonna swing for the fences because no no AD has ever said, eh, probably take a guy that like he's okay. He hasn't done a lot, but we think he can be good. Like they, you know, everybody starts out, we're gonna begin this national search and the goal is a power five coach and all that. Um I, I mean, ultimately, if they don't hire one, we'll we'll never know for sure. But I've gotta think they at least, you know, made some calls or are making some calls, one of the two. Yeah, I so I think our list is certainly not the list of everyone that's been contacted. Um, I don't know that the list of like you know people who are going to get a second interview, sorry, if you could call them finalists, although I don't know that they'd really be finalists at that point. I don't. I, I would. I have no idea. Like the people we mentioned may not be like they they the people we know um, the the five or six names you mentioned they might not be getting a second interview. They might just be guys that got reached out to the first time. So uh, it's hard to say. I think that. You know, I don't think at this point Dane Altman's going to happen. I never did, but it, it never made sense. But especially, I just kind of feel like, you know, it would have happened if it was going to happen. Um, and so same with any other, you know, high major coach people have thrown out whose season is is over. Um, theoretically, I guess there's a world in which they could be waiting to for Chris Holtman's season to end to try to persuade him. Um, that, that would surprise me, but I won't totally rule out the possibility but i think most likely the list we have contains the finalists maybe there are some guys we have that you know that we've mentioned that that didn't make it to the second interview in person interview stage and there may be one or two you know wild cards we didn't think about like maybe they talked to darian devries and really liked him like he's a name people threw out there but for the most part i think we have a general idea of who the search is going to focus on going into next week and and i want to be clear before i say this like this is not about Missouri and any specific candidate, but 
the general way this would work, if there is a guy out there, and by the way, Dana Altman's season still technically is going on. They beat somebody terrible in the yeah. NIT last night, and they're still playing. So what? I don't. Again, we've established I don't count the NIT. It's <laughs> right. not real with me. But there are. I mean, he is required to show up at the game. I would assume by terms of his contract, preferably in a shirt and tie. You know. Yeah. But um, but my point is, if there is a guy out there like that, the process. For Dana Altman or Chris Holtman or some people have put Kevin Willard out there, we don't believe that's a real thing, or, you know, Kelvin Sampson or Coach K or whatever high major coach. The point is there's a difference between these mid-major guys who are trying to get, trying to persuade Missouri to hire them and a proven kind of high major coach who Missouri would have to persuade to take the job. So the way the process is going to play out, if that is happening behind the scenes, is very simple. Calls have been made and are being made to those people's agents. And the discussion is, look, would your guy listen? And if he would listen, what would it take? And then the agent either knows or finds out, hey, if this is a thing when your season's over, are you? would you be willing to listen to this? Okay, he comes back to Missouri. Here's what it takes. Missouri presents the terms to the agent, and then it happens very much like Mike White. Like, right? like Pete Thamel reported Georgia got on a Zoom call with Mike White, and four hours later he told his team was he was gone. Well, that's because that was agreed to before they ever contacted Florida or got on a Zoom with Mike White. So my point is if they want – it. If Dana Altman is going to be the next head coach here, which I certainly do not think he is, but if he is, they've already talked to his agent. They already know if he wants the job. They already know what it's going to take. The parameters of it are all in place. And all they're waiting for is Dana Altman to lose his last game, hop on a perfunctory Zoom call, and say, okay, cool, when are we going to announce this? Because... You don't put Dana Altman through a two- or three-step interview process and say, bring us your binder and show us how you're going to make us good because he holds up two middle fingers and said, I've been a head coach for 35 years and I've won coach of the year in four different conferences and I don't need to do what Kim English or Dennis Gates need to do to get this job. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I explained it well, but I don't, I yeah. don't know if you have any uh, – any, no, any I think that, that gives that hopefully clears up kind of just an idea of what we think the process and the timeline are going to look like. Um, so read read into that as you may and decide, you know, if, you know, if by sometime next week, Oregon's still playing in the NIT or Ohio State has advanced to the second weekend and they don't have a coach. I'm sure everyone will have decided that those are the people Mizzou is hiring. But um, yeah, no, I do think that's good to to lay out kind of how the search typically unfolds. When are we safe to eliminate Bill Self from the search? Uh, should we wait a while? <laughs> well, maybe maybe he's looking to uh, to beat the NCAA posse out of Lawrence. I I think we can eliminate that one. I think that one. If you if you were to just say name the least likely coach in America to to come to Mizzou, I think one would be Kim Anderson and two would be Bill Self. I, I feel like it would be cool if college ADs and administrators did things. Like a friend of mine texted me a couple nights ago, Missouri should offer Bill Self $10 million a year and make it public the night before KU plays in the tournament just to screw him. <laughs> like, I, I feel like that would be very cool. Yeah, it would. Except I, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, one, like, I, 
probably rightly so. The AD and the president, whoever else is involved in the search, isn't that doesn't really care about entertaining us. And two, I do kind of understand how then that like provides ammunition for Kansas to be like, you want you're so jealous of us, you want our coach so bad, you would pay him this much money. But yeah, I mean, like I'd be I'd be all for it. That'd I mean, I agree with everything you said, except rightly so. They should absolutely be here to entertain us. Um, this is, this is how I feel and it's not going to change. Uh, let's start rolling through some of your guys' questions. We'll get to some spring football at the end, but I feel like most of the discussion is going to be, uh, going to be basketball coach related. So, uh, 430 horse says, let's just say from the list of golden English, McMahon, Gates and Tang, if you were a betting man, you would, would you take that list or the field? I would take that list. I, I don't know about you. Yeah, I would take that list as well. It, it, because sometimes there are surprises. And, like, look, mm-hmm. it, again, I don't know. Maybe there's a, you know, maybe Jay Wright's taking this job, right? Maybe there's a, a big surprise. Or maybe there's a surprise the other direction. Because the right. last two times Missouri surprised us with coaching hires, I wouldn't say it was like a super positive surprise, right? It was like a, right. it was like a surprise party where Danny DeVito jumps out of the cake or something <laughs> like that. Um, but you know it was uh frank haith and kim anderson were surprises um but even even eli drinkwitz was a surprise in the fact that he wasn't really on our list initially on our list initially and he wasn't among the three names that jim sterk brought to the curators initially so we could i mean like you never know they don't rule anything out right like like i'll say this if if we get a, a source that tells us Desiree Reed Francois brought these five guys back and the curators decided these five guys sucked and they she needed to go find somebody else, then yeah, it will be a surprise in the same way that Eli Drinkwitz was a surprise because because that's certainly what happened there. Um let's see. Uh Zach's asking no other rumors about Altman. I literally have not heard Dana Altman's name since like I can I, I truly if you said who told you like if if Moon Choi came over to my house and held a gun to my head and said who told you Dana Altman's name I truly can't even remember I couldn't tell him at this point right that was um, in the like first hour after the firing happened when everything was on fire yeah and and Dave matter you know put his name out there too as somebody he'd heard so that uh, made me think at least like, hey, I can say I heard it, you know, because because somebody else heard it too. Um, okay, Matthew says, can Mizzou lure an established Power Five head coach away? So I'll let you take this first, and then then I'll go after that. Yeah, I mean, realistically, the only way it's going to happen is in the Mike White type scenario, like you talked about earlier. A coach who, you know, has has maybe done a decent job, but is not in the best favor with the fan base who kind of wants a restart, sort of like Conzo Martin too. Uh, because think about it. The other options are either the coach at the Power 5 school isn't doing a good a good job, or if he is doing a good job, pretty much every you know high major school can match what Missouri is willing to offer from a pay standpoint. So there would have to be some other factor that would get the guy to Mizzou. Um, and it's a little bit of a hard sell to say, hey, come rebuild this thing that's going to take a little while. I mean, it's in basketball, it's not football. You can you can get it done in a reasonable amount of time, but still, not a lot of coaches want to, you know, like to use Dana Altman as an example. It, why give up his top 10 recruiting class and $4 million a year job? Yeah, maybe Mizzou could pay him 4.5, but then he'd have to start all over and rebuild the thing. Um, and, and there, you know, I could use other coaches as, as an example too. But just generally speaking, 
Um, I, most power five schools can pay a similar amount for someone they want to keep. And if they don't want to keep their coach, there's a good chance Missouri doesn't want their coach. The only other situation that applies there is like when Frank Martin left Kansas state where he just hated his athletic director. Like the relationship was no good and he wanted out. And so he took what was clearly a worse job. I I mean, if you ask a hundred people, What's a better job, South Carolina or Kansas State? Ninety-eight of them are going to say Kansas State, and two of them live in South Carolina. You know, so um, so it can there can be that you know Brett Bielema, like he's looking for a different place. It wasn't because he was losing; he's just looking for a different place. You know, um, so it, it is possible there. But in general, like it is not an insult to Missouri's program to say they're probably going to hire a mid-major coach. Because most people hire a mid-major coach. And I feel like that's become even more true in the last 10 years or so in both sports, but especially in basketball, because I feel like the ultimate case study in this was Brad Stevens and Shaka Smart, right? They both went to these heights that their program had never been to. Brad Stevens goes to a national title game. Shaka goes to a Final Four, and it's, it's a huge deal for both of them. And Shaka takes the bigger job. And doesn't do well enough and ends up getting fired and, you know, all that. Or, I, did Chaka get fired at Texas he or did he just no, leave? He, uh, okay. he, he found the soft landing spot at Marquette. Okay. Uh, but then Brad Stevens, he just stayed at Butler until he was the head coach of the Boston Celtics, you know. And I understand that, that, that things went a little weird there at the end, but clearly – those guys kind of showed the way of you don't have to take the bigger job just because it's the bigger job. And so I think more and more, if you choose to fire your coach, you better understand what we're probably doing is taking a chance on a guy that's not been at this level before. And that's, that's just general across the country. Um, how much traction is Kimmy gaining as time moves on? It's interesting to me because I, I told somebody – Saturday, I think, like 15 hours after Conzo was fired. You know, I said, I think Kim English would be popular with the casual fan, but I don't think it would be popular to the people that are watching this show that subscribe to our website. Like the diehards, I think they would view it as a disappointment and the casual fan would think, oh, this is great, right? Kimmy's coming back. I've seen a little bit of a shift. Like, I think people on our site, I, I'm not going to say necessarily the, the majority are in favor of it, but I'm seeing a lot of people going, you know, a week ago, I didn't think this was the move, but now that I'm kind of seeing what might be out there and I, I'm kind of thinking more about what Kim English could bring to this job, I do think a lot more people are in favor of it today than would have been last Wednesday. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And I, I think a lot of people are in favor of it more so as, you know, kind of the, the backup plan. Like if you're ending up and down at that mid-major level um, and maybe people have like one guy they like out of that group, but then the next one would be Kim or something like that. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of been my thought process too. Initially, you know, I just thought, it's just Mizzou would be falling into the trap that so many places fall into, which is, you know, alums just understand this place better than anyone else. And we got to reach for this guy who wouldn't, who wouldn't ordinarily be a good candidate, but after spending, and really the only thing that's changed for me is I've spent more time looking at resumes during the past week or so. Uh, He's, he's got almost everything that, that you want other than 
the proven head coach success. And it's a risk, but all those guys in that tier are a risk. You know, Todd Golden is, I mean, yeah, he's got SEC experience. He, he was an SEC assistant for one year. He has no ties to the area. It's a little bit of a risk that he could, you know, do that. Um, Jerome Tang has never been a head coach and has never sat on a bench outside of outside of Waco. Matt McMahon has never been on a high major bench. So, like, and, you know, you could go down the list and, and do that for everyone. So everyone's got got a, an element that makes them a risky hire for Kim. The things that stand out are one, he has proven he can get guys. And that's not saying that because, you know, people say, Oh, he could get guys because he has ties at the zoo. No, it's because he's a good recruiter. I mean, he, the, he was a big reason why Tennessee just won the sec. He got those guys to Tennessee. Um, and so I think combine that with the fact that he would be able to kind of mobilize the NIL thing with donors here, and he would embrace that aspect of it, he would get players. Now, the question, uh, you know, I wonder about the maturity and the fact that there might be a little bit of a learning curve for a guy who's only been a head coach one year, as you would expect, not a knock on him. Hey, hang on. Can I interrupt real quick? Oh, yeah, of course. Because everybody here loves the football coach. And show me the difference. And I'm not talking about the success of one year, but you're talking maturity, and sometimes he says some things that might be a little bit questionable, and there's, like, that's Eli Drinkwitz. There's there's no difference there. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true for sure. Um, I'm just saying, you know, more so just all the things that come with being a head coach. He's only done it for one year. And that, that's always been my question about Drinkwitz and still is. We know he's personable. We know he can get guys. Can he lead a program? Can he get them to you know sustain success? That's the same question with Kim English. Okay, uh, next up, Rob Gaskin says, in the new era of NIL, does alumni status now matter? I, I don't think it does any more than it has in the past. I mean, I, I've always said that being an alum should not be a qualifying factor. And, and I want to be clear, like with Kim English, Kansas State has at least contacted him. I'm not saying they're going to hire him, but they've contacted him. Boston College interviewed him last year. This is not a guy who has, this is not Kim Anderson. So, I don't, I mean, is he on this list if he didn't go to Missouri? I don't know. Maybe, but maybe not. I'll admit that. Maybe not. So, it shouldn't be a qualifying factor for the job. But same token, it should not disqualify Kim English from this job that Barry Odom got fired. Or that Kim Anderson didn't work. Like, that truly doesn't matter to me. And I don't know if that's exactly the question. I don't think that's even the question Rob is asking. I don't think alumni status impacts the NIL stuff necessarily because I don't think kids being recruited largely probably remember Kim English playing for Missouri. They were like seven. But I I just, I, I, I have issue with the argument, well, Kim didn't work and Barry didn't work, so we can't hire Kimmy. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I don't think that, you know, it, and like, it's funny because we say that we're the same people who say like Mizzou just, you can't hire a D2 coach because of Kim, Kim Anderson. And like, I stand by that, but yeah, no, you, you don't want to, I don't think you want to, you know, get too scared of past failures that you do the opposite. Like the, the, the um, reaction of a lot of people is like, oh, our last coach was this, 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 and this. Our past coaches were this, 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 and this. Just find the opposite. And sometimes that's not a good way to go about it. You know, you should just just find the best coach, regardless of where he went to school, regardless of his offensive or defensive styles, regardless of whatever else, you know, his, you know, whatever's on his resume. And uh, I think you can make a case that, that Kim is the best guy once you get to a certain point on the list. Right. And, and, I have seen no one say Kim English should be the first person offered this job. I I don't believe that. 
I'm frankly not sure Kim English believes that. I mean, if you told Kim English, hey, we can get you, but like Chris Holtman kind of low-key wants this, he'd probably be like, yeah, you should probably hire him. You know, <laughs> I mean, let, let's be honest. Uh, Matthew says, do you think preliminary discussions with some of these agents are only being used as fuel for a new contract with the current school? I mean, certainly that happens, but like the guys that we're talking about, Dennis Gates is not going back to Cleveland State and getting $2 million a year. I mean, right. so that's the difference between mid-major and high-major coaches, right? It's why high-major stuff, I mean, they tend to kind of keep quieter sometimes until those teams lose. Like, there are not very many leaks in this search, right? But if Missouri has approached Dana Altman or Chris Holt- Holtman or Danny Hurley or whoever— like, once those teams lose, then one of their agents might be like, hey, National College reporter, um, Missouri approached my guy. And then that gets tweeted out. And then the school that they're at, it's like, hey, we probably need another $500,000 a year. You know, I mean, with high major guys, that works. The mid-major guys don't have any leverage. I mean, that's not a thing. Right. Yeah. Just look at the list we have right now. No one no one who is on that list is, is trying to, yeah, get leverage another, you know, $2,000 a year out of their current small school. Okay, let's see if we have any other uh, basketball coaches. Steve Forbes, pipe dream. Uh, I mean, once he re-signed with Wake Forest, to me, that was kind of off the table, right? Yeah, I agree. I, I think that if he was going to leave, he would have left for like Louisville or Florida or one of the one of those jobs. But I, I don't think he's leaving Wake Forest this cycle. Yeah, Louisville probably getting uh, getting filled, according to your dad and Jeff Goodman, uh, by Kenny Payne, who, by the way, is a Louisville alum who has never been a head coach in college basketball. You know, so uh, interesting to see what will happen there. Um, okay, so. That's all the basketball questions we've got. So want to switch gears to spring football and, and want to start with this from Zach. Can you release odds on the number one pick for the spring game? So, so I want to go two ways. I first want to say I love that they're doing a draft. I think it's the right way. It's, it, it makes it fun. It makes it fun for the kids. It makes it fun for the, the, the fans, all that. I do think it might have been a good move on Eli Drinkwitz's part to make Brady Cook and Tyler Macon the captains. Because I guess, theoretically, at some point, they're broadcasting this draft on social media. And I don't want to say fans are going to make a big deal out of which quarterback is picked first, but fans are going to make a big deal out of which quarterback's picked first. Yeah, it was kind of funny. He said yesterday one of his reasons for doing it this way was not having like a depth chart and people freak out about who's ahead of who, but then, then they're going to have the players pick players ahead of other players. So, I mean, like... And, and really, you should read into that less than what the coaches think, but still people will read into it. So, yeah, I don't know. I wonder – these things could always be amended. It's not like he was reading us off of the official signed copy of the rules for the spring game yesterday. Like, these things can be changed. He can make up whatever rules he wants. I wouldn't be surprised if that does. Um, yeah, as for the, the number one pick, uh, I know Brady Cook said yesterday he would pick Trajan Jeffcoat. So, I don't know. Like, that's the, the name I've heard thrown out there. That makes sense to me. I, I feel like uh... – uh, there's a decent chance before the draft he just says this team's quarterback is this guy and that team's quarterback is that guy and yeah and, or they switch get, off even who knows right and you go from there um it, it it strikes me very much like when you played kickball on recess in in elementary school right like look i was never the first guy picked but i, I was 
mid to high rounds, you know. And but like I always felt bad for the kids that you know were sitting there. I mean, what about the poor walk on left guard? That's gonna be he's gonna be the last dude taken on a hundred man team. That's yeah. Not cool. This draft could really drag on. I don't think people realize how big this team is. It's like it's a hundred dudes. It's a fifty I, round draft. Whew. I feel like we don't know the rules. Like th- there's probably gonna be some things like look, just draft a starting eleven on both sides, or or it might even be like okay, we start at quarterback and then we go to running. You know, I don't feel like they're actually gonna go through a hundred and five players or whatever. I hope they don't because I would feel very I, bad for the guy that was the hundred fifth pick i agree i also do kind of hope though there's just no rules and then like one team like you know say like the first pick one team picks brady cook or tyler macon and then the other team's like oh cool i can wait on my quarterback and then the other team's like nope no you can't i'm taking the other one and then they've got no they've got his tommy lock <laughs> that'd that, be kind of fun that would be a pretty smooth move for the first two picks to be brady cook and tyler Macon. like that's that's fantasy strategy right there um i Am I wrong that I think my first pick would be Harrison Mevis? No, I mean, that's I'm a locking call, up points. That's probably the biggest drop off of any position. It, and also, because like he can play defensive end if you need him to. <laughs> I mean, true. he can that's kick and play D line. <laughs> I feel like you know, in a spring game, like the quarterbacks and the kickers and the punters are like, you should not touch this person. So they might have to have an extra jersey of a different color ready for Mevis when they throw him out there at defensive end. I, I'm definitely going Mevis, though. It, it, it was interesting also that Drinkwood said they get to draft coaches. So yeah, like, he sounded like there's I, like two packages of coaches. There's like coaching group A and coaching group B, and they can pick or something. I don't know. Because I was going to say, I mean, if I'm one team, like I'm drafting the OC, man. Like those well, are the plays, right? But I guess players call plays. made it sound like he's not coaching either team. He said he's just back there blowing the whistle. So I think he's like an official or something or just overseeing. I, he also said that the winners get steaks and the losers get hot dogs. And I hope that's real. I hope that it is really the terms. I mean, a grilled hot dog is not bad. Like a, it's nice no, it's weather not, outside. But I still feel like that's pretty funny. But um, I, I feel like there's a lot. I, I feel like we failed yesterday. We needed to ask more follow-up questions. There's a lot I don't understand about this. I, I agree, except for the fact that we were actually doing meaningful player interviews for the first time all spring. So, like, I really actually wanted to ask about the quarterbacks and talk about the quarters. Any other day, when we were talking to Connor Wood and Barrett Bannister, it would have been all about the spring game. But then it was like, oh, wait, we could actually write a somewhat meaningful story. So, I guess we'll talk to talk about the quarterbacks. That's fair. Um, okay, so this next question is going to lead to actually like a a serious kind of thing that that i think is interesting from yesterday aiden asks could luther burden win sec freshman of the year i will say yes slash heisman trophy i will say almost certainly not um i I would be like the odds you could get on that would be mind-blowing but i the most interesting thing to me that was said during media day yesterday and i'm going to do this in the tone of voice he did it as best as i can is Coach, what have you seen out of Luther Burden this spring? Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, that was it. I mean, yeah, he's a good player. And, it, like, look, I get it from his point of view. I mean, first of all, that's been asked after every practice. Show up to some other things and just use the quote Eli gave you six days ago. You know, you don't need, you don't need what did you see out of Luther Burden today versus what did you see out of Luther Burden Thursday. Um, but also, we're at the point now Luther Burden is no longer a five-star, the number four player in America. He is a football player on Missouri's team, and that's really it. And nobody on that team cares how many stars he had out of high school. And now it's just, 
look, we hope he's as good as people said he was and he can help our team, but like, we got 97 other dudes on this team, and please, God, quit asking about just one. Yeah, no, yeah. I think for sure Drinkwitz's mindset was it's not again, it's not anything against Luther. It's just like we got a lot of other receivers. Like, feel free to ask me about any of them. Stop asking about the same guy every single day. Um, and, you know, you, you never want to. I, I know as coaches, they always worry about, you know, stuff going to guys' heads, whatever. But I think that that was the biggest thing. He's just just tired of it. Just just a little frustrated, fatigued of answering the Luther Burden question every day. No question. And, you know, the, the guys will – well, I would say the guys will get tired of it too. We mostly talk to the same ones, so they, they probably will get tired of it. But, I, I mean, yeah, it's Burden may be a phenomenal player, but also he still has to have a quarterback to throw him the ball and a line to give that quarterback time to do so and some other receivers to every now and then make plays. But this is also kind of what happens when a kid like that goes to a school like this. If he, if he just ends up signing with OU, like, yeah, I'm sure there's people asking questions, but, like, they kind of get a guy like that every year, right? If he ends up going to Georgia or Alabama, like, he's just another dude. Um, if he goes here, it's, hey, this is the biggest guy that Missouri football has gotten in 10 years. So it's a different dynamic, and, and it, they will never say it out loud, but it is going to take some management in the locker room. Not only – hey, just all the questions that are asked, but all the attention he's getting. And look, the NIL deals, which are not all public, obviously, but I promise you he has more than the vast majority of his teammates and he hadn't played it down, you know. Like, it's going to take some effort on the Missouri staff's part, I think. Yeah, for sure. Managing locker room, managing expectations. I mean, we, we've talked about this before. It's it's a little funny to me, you know, the Mizzou fan base as a whole, not talking about anyone uh, individually for years and years when they during the Pinkle era and whatnot was like, oh, you know, stars don't matter. Look, we're getting two stars and they're better than Tennessee's four and five stars. And then Mizzou gets a chance to get a five star, you know, number one receiver on campus. And it's like, how could this guy possibly not be good? He's a five star. He has to be good. Like, we don't get guys like this. He must be amazing. And it's like, well, remember all those guys you were saying? Like, oh, yeah, those five stars at, you know, insert school here were no good. Like, sometimes evaluators miss. Sometimes kids don't develop. Sometimes there are other issues. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with Luther Burden. I've only heard that he's a good player every single day. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, just let's let's pull the brakes a little bit on Heisman Trophy, trophy talk. I think, I think probably sophomore year, Heisman. Oh, I think he'll be the favorite for sure. When he's playing every position. Right. He'll, if he throws the ball to himself, he's set. So um, that's that. Um, you know, the coaching search again, we expect to, to be into next week. We'll be at the spring game on Saturday and see how it goes and, and what we can say and all that. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything else. Do you, Mitch? No, it sounds like JT Daniels is probably yeah. going to be on campus this weekend, so we'll be monitoring that for sure. Um, Drinkwood said yesterday they're going to continue to add competition to that room, so it shouldn't shock anyone. But, uh, yeah, that's a, something we'll be monitoring. I did think it was pretty slick of Drinkwood's after a week after he told us you're never talking to my quarterbacks to give us the quarterbacks, and then a day later the news breaks, oh, yeah, by the way, this transfer's visit this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also there's part of me that's wondering whether he doesn't he doesn't love the fact that the basketball coaching search is now the biggest news. And he's like, oh, I got to get my team back in the headlines. <laughs> well, actually, I think it's the opposite. I think he probably loves it because like every impression I've gotten from him is 
I don't know. Can you guys quit pretending spring football matters this much? Well, and, and I respect yeah, the hell out of that because spring football yeah. does not matter. You know, right. um, so I, I think I think maybe he's like, good, you guys can go all focus on that, show up once every four days, ask me some stupid questions about Luther Burden, and then you can go away again. I mean, that's how the relationship works. Yeah, pretty much. All right, well, uh, we'll let you go because we got all kinds of other things to do. So, uh, I don't know. Thanks for hanging out. Yep. All right. I'm sure we'll do this again soon. <laughs> yeah. Next next Wednesday at the latest, maybe sooner. But uh, we're going to let Mitch go and appreciate you guys being here and joining us for the last 45 minutes or so. Uh, while you are still here, would appreciate it if you would hit the like button on the show, hit the subscribe button on the channel. If you're listening on the podcast, which I will upload shortly after we are done here, uh, you know, share it on social media, leave some nice comments, do all of those things. That would be uh, phenomenal. We would appreciate it. Thanks for all the questions. Uh, please continue to, if you already subscribe to Power Mizzou, continue to hang out, talk about the coaching search every day and, and all that. If you don't subscribe to Power Mizzou, we are currently offering you your first year for 50% off. We have not raised our rates in 20 years, um, and we're now giving you half off of that. Uh, inflation is happening. We're offering you like 1982 prices for a membership for a year. So come uh, do that. Sign up. We hope you like it and stick around. Uh, thanks for watching. And again, if Missouri hires a new coach, we'll be back with the show before next Wednesday. If they don't hire a new coach, we'll be back with the show next Wednesday. Talk to you later. And uh, once again, support 573Ts at 573TES.com. You can find them downtown Columbia between 9th and 10th, 9th and 10th streets, I should say, in Alley A. This is uh, brought to you, the 573 Report by 573Ts every week. I think I have made every announcement I have to make. And now, finally, I'm going to play some music and let you go.